Well, can you turn in your Bibles to Exodus 33? We're not going to read it just yet. But I've got a really simple message. And it's, uh, we've looked back. So if you're taking notes, and I can I tell you, taking notes is a good thing if you've got a phone, iPhone. Because even if you don't go back and read it, which I generally don't when I take people's notes, I remember more when I write down. Uh, and it, I don't know how it works. Maybe someone who's a bit sharper than me can actually tell you why that works, but it does. So taking notes is a good thing. Sometimes, do you know what? Often what happens with me is that I'm, I'm listening to someone preach and God reminds me of other stuff. That is a spirit of, of revelation that comes upon us. And that God is revealing other stuff in the text. Okay. So we've looked back. So the message today is to look up, look in, look forward, and look around you. So it's really, really simple. Look up to Jesus, look in, see what God's going to change. Look forward, what is the vision for your life, and then look around you. There's a city and nations that need to be changed, and we are, God, we, are answer, we are the answer to our own prayers. We pray for salvation to break out. We pray for revival. And we sang it this morning that we are walking revivalists. We, we carry the presence of Jesus. I think when we understand our identity and who, who we are in Him, that we are a son of God, our lives look different, and we operate on that level. So first of all, look up. Look up. There's many things in our lives that change. Um, some of you have job, job changes. There's, some of you are going to have a family soon. Um, maybe some of you are dealing with uh, a really tough time. Can we just pause for a second there? I'm really bad at this. But Andy's father has just been rushed to hospital. Andy and uh, Nadine Jennings. His name is Stan. They think he might have a stroke, but I really want to pray for him now, just as, as I remember it. So, Father, we lift up Stan to you. God, just an incredible man of God who loves you. Um, we, we just pray, we speak your healing life, Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord God, that, he w- that you would come in power into that hospital room now, Lord God. Lord God, whatever's gone wrong, God, you would rectify it and make it right. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. There's only one thing that is unchangeable, and it's Jesus. And I think, and I already shared a little bit a couple of weeks ago about uh, what does 2015 look look like. But the point of the gospel, the point of the whole message of the Bible is relationship with God. It started with relationship. It's going to end with in relationship. We're going to have the great supper of the Lamb. We're going to sit down. And it's going to be billions of people sitting down with Jesus and communing with Him and talking to Him. And you could talk into the saints. We're going to be in heaven. There's going to be this moment. God is one in community with us. And I think sometimes we can get into church stuff and we can forget that God is here. Can we all take a deep breath? God is with us. The eternal one who, who lives in an unapproachable light. We've if you ever stared into the sun for too long, it's not clever to do that. But your eyes go blind. It says that there's no, in the end times, there's going to be no need for a sun because Jesus is going to be the light. He lives in this unapproachable light, yet we can go and have community with Him. We can go hang out with Him. We can look up. Psalm 121, can we quickly put that up there, Bruce? It says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? I think if we want to start our lives... On any level, we have to lift our eyes to the mountains. And so many counseling things that I've dealt with and people that I've walked stuff through is that they haven't lifted their eyes up to Jesus and seen that He is good. 
that He loves us, that we don't have to perform before Him, that He has dealt with sin in our lives so we can actually approach the Father with full confidence and say, Lord God, I know that you I can go close my bedroom door, play my guitar, whatever you do, and I'm, the, the eternal, I love the version, in, I think it's in the voice or in, in NLT, it, it, it calls God the eternal. The eternal dwells with us. The eternal lives inside of us. We have to... We have to think and meditate on these things. Because if, if we don't, we, we get so stuck into life. And we, when we worry about a whole bunch of things that God has called us to worry about. He wants us this morning to look up, to lift our eyes to the hills. How badly do you want Jesus? How badly do you want His presence in your life? Are you so fulfilled with everything else that Jesus is an add-on? And I was reading this interesting thing about millennials, which I think is kind of my age group downwards. I'm kind of that side of 30, so it's kind of, I'm not part of the the young crowd anymore. What do you do? Um, It happens. And they say that there's like, there's this low percentage of people that just, there's millennials that just go to church without actually having a relationship with Jesus. They did about a whole bunch of stats. So people just get into the religion of church. And the religion of maybe, maybe even arriving Friday, maybe once a month, maybe twice a month. Dubai, if you go to church twice a month, you're in a good space, okay? There's, uh, there's so many things. And we get so stuck into this thing that we forget that it's about a relationship with the Father. That Jesus hung on the cross for us, was beaten. His blood was poured out for us because he wanted us once again to, to walk with God in the cool of the day. And we get stuck in so many things. And I think just... In church, someone offends you. So, someone talks to you wrong. I'm not included in this conversation. I'm not included in this leadership thing. I'm, and you get and you get upset. And you get and I'm like, you've lost connection with the Father because if if you if your security is found in in what you have to do and be, you don't know who God is. Because we, if we just look up to Him and worship Him and give Him reverence, everything in our life changes. Exodus 33. I want to read this to you. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. I love that. Moses had a space that he met with God, and everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone to the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand in the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. Let's just pause there. That is Old Testament. You had a priest that went and heard, or a prophet that went and heard and told the people. We in the New Testament are kings and priests. We can go freely into the presence of God. Our tent of meeting is right now. As I say, Jesus, Jesus is here with us. I, my, I am the tent of meeting, okay? We've, we're the vessels that carry the Holy Spirit. Um, and I, I was just driving this morning, praying through a whole, this morning and for hearts and everything. And I, I felt God dropping into my heart. We can only know that who God is. God said this to me. You can only know me by my spirit. Some people want to have a whole bunch of precepts, but they don't want the person of Jesus. They want, like, just tell me what to do, how to live. And those principles are good and good to live by because it speaks about God, God's ways. But the ultimate thing is God himself. When Moses entered the tent, a pillar of cloud would descend. I've read that. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his own tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face 
to face. In Corinthians, it speaks about that we approach God now face to face through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has made a way for us where we don't have to go through someone else. We don't, there's a, if some of you have grown up in a Catholic tradition where they still have an Old Testament priestly mindset where you have to go through the priest to the Father or through Mary or through a saint, that is not in the Bible. It's, it's absolute heresy. You go straight to the Father, straight to Jesus. As a man speaks to his friend, when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Moses said to the Lord, so you say to me, bring up these people, but you have let um, me know whom I shall send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and I've also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I find favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find your favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation, sorry, I'm really, I'm getting all blurry here. Verse 14, and he said, my presence will go with you, and I'll give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring these people up from here. Are we satisfied with everything else that we don't need the presence of God in our lives? And Moses even, God said to Moses in the preceding verses, he says, listen, I will give you your inheritance. I'll send an angel. I'll make a way for you. But you, you're, you're a stiff-necked, hard people. And I'm almost just like, just go. Just, just get away from me. And Moses cries out to God and says, Lord, if you do not go with us, we will not move. And so many people are so satisfied with the inheritance of something. God can give me this, and I'll be satisfied in what he's given me. Oh, he's blessed me so I can buy a house. That's, you find a satisfaction in that. And you, almost, you, you find more satisfaction in the inheritance than you actually find in Jesus himself. And I think if we want to look forward as a church, we have to start look by looking up and saying, God, my satisfaction is in you. I will not do anything if you do not tell me to. My, I, 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 I know that this morning, right now, I can approach the God who lives in unapproachable light. And I think sometimes we make such a buddy, buddy thing of God, and it's, we, we are called to be friends with God. I get that. And that's how we, we commune with God. But we have to realize that He doesn't have to make a way for us, but yet He did through Jesus Christ, His Son. I also had a thought, are we happy as a people, to meet with Moses and not meet with the Father directly. Are, we, are you happy for me to go and seek God or whoever preaches or whoever leads your open lounge or maybe you watch a, a, a video series and you, there's so much on YouTube that you, you don't even need to even dig into God for yourself because it's all out there. There's every sermon and podcast you can ever think of. Are you more satisfied with that than Jesus? And I thought... I love going to conferences. I love, the, I love the time of corporate worship. I love when you have thousands of people who are hungry for Jesus. I've just watched a bit of a passion conference. You've got 60,000 young people from across the states. I love that. It's needed. But if that's the only time you get a fuel injection, you don't know the Father. You don't know who He is. And He wants us to commune with Him. Is He enough? I love this. Matthew 5, 6 in the message. It says, You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God, He's the food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. Jesus is called the bread of life. And I think we need to... The problem is we, we, we so do get satisfied with everything else that Jesus becomes the last thing on our priority list. We need to focus on Him. The second thing is we look in. Not an introspective, navel-gazing Christianity, but we realize that as we look at him, there's stuff in our lives that needs to change. 
that uh, we need to look different uh, this year than we did last year. So I don't know who's ever looked. There's, there's always that throwback Thursday thing, and then there's there's people that like bring your old uh, profile picture back on Facebook. But have you ever looked back at old photos and think, what was I doing? I think back to what I was wearing in about 13, 14 years old, and I think I've said this before, but it was bad. Okay, it was rugby shorts. It was those strap, uh, who remembers Rocky sandals? Those of you who grew up in South Africa, you know, they're terrible, okay? They're multicolored, they strap on the back, they just uh, comfort for your feet um, and just look hideous. I'd wear a powerhouse shirt, uh, which was just this oversized dog that was on the shirt. I only had like, I don't know, my mom definitely bought my clothes for me. Um, and uh, it was just. Anyway, have you ever looked? So I've got a few photos that I want to show of you. Can we put mine up first, just so I insult myself first? That's my passport photo. I don't know who that is. Um, I, we went to Singapore last year or the year before, and the, the lady literally wouldn't let me into Singapore. She said, that's not you. I had to show her like three other IDs along with this to, to actually get past the, the border. Let's just go through a few of those. Oh, Jeremy, <laughs> wow, I can see why, Penny, that's all I'm saying, <laughs> you scored, okay, there's, ah, uh, Bruce, <laughs> notice that's not a shadow behind his neck, it's actual hair, um, it's, it's, it's a mullet, so, the veteran, Laura, there is space up here, are you happy, okay. I just feel awkward if you're standing, so that's cool, as long as you're happy. Bruce and Jeremy, and there's some Arab dude in the middle now. Okay. Now, Ramsey's not here, but that is Ramsey on the left. Is that all we've got? You look back on that and you think, how, how could I dress like that? How could my mom have allowed a mullet? Bruce and I, we, it's so funny because he, he grew up the same time as me, same age, and it's um, a lot of the stuff that he walked through, I walked through. And um, we both had mullets at the same stage. And it's like, what? What were we thinking? What were what we thinking? Like, and honest, I remember arriving in Dubai, and uh, it was about eight years ago, and going out with Warren and uh, some of the friends that were here. And they were like, Dan, what are you wearing, you know? And uh, they were like, no, you have to wear a smart shirt. We're going to this place. I'm like, dude, I don't own smart shirts. Like, I only own secondhand shirts. Like, that's just my wardrobe, you know? And I, but I look back and I honestly thought I was cool. Like, I, I'd be like, cool, I'm like retro, whatever. I just look dirty. And, um, <laughs> but what do you do? And, I, and honestly, I think so, so much of our Christianity is that we need to look back and say, I can't believe I reacted like that. I can't believe I reacted like that to my wife, that I shouted at her, that, uh, that I got offended by the smallest thing. We should be maturing Day after day, we're becoming more like Christ every single day of our lives. God's ultimate goal for us is to become sons and daughters. And I wanted to read the whole of Romans 8, but I'm not going to. Where's my phone? It's gone. Okay. I've got Romans 8 in the Amplified Version. I just emailed it to myself before the meeting, that's why it's not up. It says, therefore, there's no condemnation, and in brackets, 
the judging guilty of wrong for those who are in Christ, who live and walk after the, uh, who do not walk after the dictates of the flesh, but the dictates of the spirit. And then in verse uh, 19, it says, For even the whole creation, all of nature, waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's sons and daughters to be made known, for waits for the revealing, the disclosing of their, son, their, their, their sonship. God ultimately is forming us as sons and daughters. And when you go, honestly, when you go through tough times and you feel like sometimes you're under the discipline of God, it's because He loves you. It's because He wants, because you're looking at Him and you're looking at how amazing He is and He's looking at you and He says, I love you, son. You're qualified, but I, I need to do stuff through you. But if you keep reacting like that and if you keep acting that way, I cannot, I need to, I need to chisel stuff away from you that makes you more like my son. So Jesus looks, at, so God looks at us and he sees his son and he starts to cut away the things that are not part of who Jesus is. And sometimes it's tough. Sometimes I think the Bible says that if you humble yourself under God's mighty hand, it's much better than him humbling you. If, if God humbles you, it's tough. I've been humbled at times. Some of you who are maybe harder nuts to crack, God is to humble you properly so you can get into the place where God is absolutely everything, where He's molding you into sonship. Isaiah 54 says, we've read, I read it earlier, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in desolate cities. And I think when there's a stretching is good. And I've, and I've used this illustration before. Rom, can you stand up, please? Rom loves gym, as you can see. He's a little bit buff. But that doesn't happen automatically. Rom, you were quite skinny before you yeah, trained. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he has to train, and you saw the next day because your muscles stretched, and then, I don't know how it works, but kind of... You can explain it. Um. <laughs> Just quickly... And uh, this is you putting me on the spot. Um, your muscles basically break down, they stretch up, they fill with blood, and then there's scar tissue that builds up so it gets bigger. That's how you get a chest like that. You can sit down. <laughs> when, when we are being stretched, God is making us stronger. I've, we've, 2014, for us personally, was a, a difficult year at times. And it felt like we were being stretched to the point where Stahl and I, we, we went on holiday, and I remember Stahl preaching around. She goes, I'm just staying here. I'm staying in this holiday place. I'm going to just go sit at the back of a church, let someone else do everything else. And obviously God doesn't let us that happen to us. But you have those moments where you just want to throw in the towel. And can I say that sometimes when, the, when you're at that moment of throwing the towel, that's when you need God the most, and that's where your biggest breakthrough comes. When you want to give up on your marriage, you want to give up on life, you want, to, you want to just run your own way because it's just too tough, we have to go back to point one. We need to look up and say, God, I know that you're doing something in my life. Being stretched is a good thing. Stretches our capacity for people. Because ultimately, we're not, we're not just living this life for ourselves or for our own purpose or for our, our own benefit. We're living it for the benefit of others. I do not want to insult God with small thinking. I do not want to insult God by, by saying that uh, I, I'm, I'm happy with the small lot in life. God has more for all of us. And some of you have been hurt. Some of you have been misunderstood. Do you know what? It's time to forget the past 
Strain towards the future and look to Him. He has more for you. Step out in faith. Who's watched the movie Unbroken? Very cool movie. I'm a, a little bit of a spoiler alert here. Um, I won't give the whole thing away. But, but basically, this guy gets put in a prison camp, and there's moments where he's pushed beyond our human ability. He was, he was, uh, there, was, there was a point where he, was, he had to hold this log above his head. He had some, some guy that was in charge of the prison camp that really hated him, and he held this log above his head for hours upon hours upon hours, and he held it, and, he, and just when they thought it would drop, he actually, they had that great Hollywood moment, you know? And he lifted this thing, it's like, ah! And he lifted it up, and he's like, everyone just cheers, and it's amazing, and, and all that. And I th- in that moment, I thought, wow, there's, there's something in us that we can handle a lot more than we think we can handle. People give up too easily. There's a, a story, how old was that girl that got the plane crashed, and she walked across fields? Seven years old. There was a plane crash somewhere in the States. All, her whole family was killed. She walked across mud and kilometers in the dark, in the rain, in the cold, and she eventually found a farmhouse knocked on the door. She was seven years old. And I thought, there's so much more inside of us, but yet we cop out so easily. It's like, oh, church is too early. It's too tough. It's someone, I don't like someone in church. I, 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 and, you, and, and you get so caught up on the wrong things where there's, there's so much in us and there's so much that God wants to do in and through us if we just learn to stick it out, push through. And then that brings me to my third point, look out. And that's vision. For me, Brett Smith uh, is in the church. He, he was teaching, he was doing like a whole strategy session around, around what we're going to be doing into the future. And he says there's a 40% more chance of you fulfilling your vision if you write it out. So it is a note. If you just write it out, say, I want to do this. I feel God's calling me to do this. You have a 40% more chance of the thing happening. Habakkuk says the same thing. The Lord answered me. He says, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so that, ma- that he may run. Sorry. So he may run who reads it. Write down your vision. Men, for your families, for your future, write down your vision. I think when, uh, in particular men, when they lose the vision for what God has called them to, everything else begins to fall apart. You let every single other thing dictate your future. You don't put rocks in your diary. You don't say, okay, cool, well, I'm going I'm to prioritize kingdom stuff first, then comes family. Because I think, here's the thing, okay, we, we, we don't have a family, but it's, it's, and, and I've seen it modeled and I've seen it lived out. If you put kingdom first, God looks after everything else. It's not like family first, whatever, then we add the kingdom as a, as a little add-on. It's, it's absolutely Jesus in everything we do. If we lose sight of our mountain, we become useless. If we lose sight of the, uh, the new thing that God has called us to, we're going to run around in circles and not find and, and not be effective. And God has called all of us, as we read before, to be sons. Creation is waiting for us to understand that we are sons. The, the, the creation, it says, was subject to frustration, not by its own will, but by, basically by Adam who messed everything up. But creation is waiting for us to realize who we are in God and rise up into that thing and run after Him. Um, there's a Numbers 13, we don't have time to read it, but there's, there's an amazing moment in the history of Israel where, where so much can be learned from. But there's 12 spies that went out to the land, they come back, they have grapes that are the size of apples or watermelons or whatever. 
And uh, there's just this huge fruit in the land. There's, there's, so many, there's so much good. It's flowing with milk and honey, which means there's abundance. And 10 people come back with a negative report. And we have honestly had to, and as a church, even despite there being negative reports from people inside and outside the church, we have to look and say, God, there's a positive report. And that for me is a vision is a reality that hasn't come true yet. So you're seeing something. I, 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 we, it wasn't just me, but Star, myself, and others. Saw, we saw this warehouse. We saw this as part of the vision that God has called us to. But now there's more. There's next door. There's upstairs. Hopefully the guy next door to us leaves. And then we've got this whole section. It's going to be awesome. We're going to bash through. We have, to, we, have to, we have to keep dreaming. We have to keep thinking of the next thing. And, um, in worship, we're doing the worship center. I'm like, do you know what? God, you, I know that you're going to do something in and through worship in City Lights. And I want to, see, I want to, I want to be part of that. I want to see us get, open a recording label and a recording contract and, and, get, and get stuff going. That we, that's, there's this music and there's this life that is coming in and out of, of the Middle East. Keep looking at the fruit. Keep looking at the big thing. And those of you who are feeling a little bit visionless, get on your knees. It's the only way you find vision. It's the only way you find God is that you, you cry to Him. You look up first. You look up and say, Jesus, would you fill me with your love? And do you know what the amazing thing is? I think it says in um, Isaiah 30, God looks down at the people of Israel and He says, listen, you can run your own way and I will make your way fail so you realize that you have to come back to me and you do things from, from my place. And it says, it says in rest and in salvation you find, you find hope. From a place of resting in God, we find what God has called us to do. And now the final thing, and I'm not going to spend long on this, but is to look at. The whole point of what we do on a Friday is to look at. Some of you at your first time here, some of you at your first time in church this morning, and that is awesome. Someone has invited you. Someone cared enough for you to bring you and said, you know what, there's a community that is in love with Jesus and exudes the love of the Father unto everyone else. Matthew 5, sorry, Matthew 9, 35 says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Jesus has not changed. Every disease, every affliction is healed. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, so we always, I've, even the past few weeks, we've been praying, God, would you come and revive hearts? Would you give us, would, would the lost come in? I'm like, we're the laborers. We're the ones that, that look up to Jesus, that are filled with his presence, that go out and spread the kingdom of God through our lives. And I think, to be honest, it's, it's not... It's, you have to live a life that's of an example, so you draw people, there's something different about that person, they're part of, they're almost like an alien, there's something interesting, they don't get upset, there's something about that, but ultimately you have, to, you have to draw them to the one who has saved you, otherwise you're just being a good person, it's a social gospel. We have to bring people to the place to say, do you know what, you need Jesus Christ, he's the only one that has changed me, nothing else. Um... John 4.35 says, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest.
We, are, we live in a city that is rough. Am I right? There's people that think they don't need God, but actually if you just dig a little bit deeper, scratch the surface, get to know them, love them with the love of Jesus, you'll realize that they are broken. That they're, putting, that they're pursuing things that is just trying to make them feel better. And we, and we know that Jim Carrey, I remember quoting him saying, he says, I wish that everyone in the whole world can get rich and realize that that is not the answer. Because that's, that's the thing that we look at. We're like rich, famous. And I think even in Christianity, sometimes there's a temptation, even in leadership or you, you, I'm leading worship or you, you see stuff and you say, oh, I want to be that. I want to be that person. I want to be known. That, we've missed the point. God will exalt whoever he wants to exalt and lift up whoever he wants to lift up. The only thing that matters is that we're with God and we walk with him daily and we, and we spread who Jesus is to our, to our friends, to our family. That's, that's our responsibility on a daily basis walk with him. You don't need to have a prophetic word around it. Someone doesn't need to call you and say, do you know what? Stand up, Gary. You're called to be a light in your, in the, in, in your, in your workplace. That is the calling on every single person's life. So draw them to Jesus. I've got one question. One, I've been going for a while there. Okay, I'm going to end. I've just got one question. I'm not going to do the statement. Just to end off, who can I serve? Jesus lived as a servant. He lived every single day of like, he'd walk down the street. Imagine Jesus walked in and said, oh, I'm not on duty today. I'm going to a party. I'm going to uh, a kid's party. I'm, I, you know, it's like, I've, I've, I've more important things to do than the kingdom. Jesus never did that. He exampled every single thing he did. He says, who can I serve? So just in summary, can we stand up? Look up. Look in. Look up. Look out and look around us. Father, we, I pray, God, over City Lights. I pray, God.